Kwaba. Welcome back to the Team Ghana U podcast, by size where you receive news, updates, discussion and everything significant football and Ghana related. As always, I want you, the listeners, to be actively involved by tweeting or emailing us for discussion or wanting more information. Last episode, we previewed our article on culture and philosophy. This week in our episode, the article is online and via our website, but we're pleased to bring it to you. What is culture? I chose this subject because I think it's not only important to Ghanaians, but important to every country and ethnic group around the world. Race identifies what you are, and culture, importantly, identifies who you are, retracing your history, your practices and your customs. It's evident everywhere in everyday life, in your food, your language and also in your music. In music, it's most identifiable, from my perspective, in hip-hop. All forms, down to his news form in grime, trap and drill music. With music and in football, which we'll discuss, the culture is characterised by key elements. The fabric of the art and the ethos, where we often retrace the fabric, or make and use comparisons of our forefathers. Why was it done? To how the culture began. To how it was done and what they did. Culture defines you. It measures our quality of life. Culture provides important social and economic benefits, improved learning and health, and opportunities to come together as a community. Through culture, we develop a sense of belonging. Culture is evident in football, and today we're going to look at those. The article and now podcast was inspired by Stephen's podcast, Diary of a CEO with Rio Ferdinand, which in parts provided insight into the length and detail behind creating culture, 20 plus years of success at Manchester United with Alex Ferguson. The whole episode was great itself. Rio goes on to discuss in more detail Ferguson, and again, that word, culture, at United, which was fascinating. Details, the very same things that infrastructure and processes require. In Africa, what seems to be very prevalent is fan culture, our fanaticism with football, with major tournaments in European football, including African stars in Europe. It said Africa's arguably the biggest market for the Premier League, definitely the most understated with African fans being loyal and patriotic in their following of their compatriots who play overseas. This trend has been on the rise, with Africa increasingly becoming a hotbed of talent, where players feature in leagues all over the world, from the MLS to La Liga, phenomenal stories of success. With the local game undeveloped in comparison to other leagues around the world, it's not only attractive to play elsewhere, it's financially rewarding. The success of talent ID in Africa is yet to translate onto success for any African country. With the most successful countries on the world stage being Cameroon at World Cup 90, Senegal in South Korea in 2002 and Ghana in South Africa in 2010. The Ivory Coast get honourable mention for their incredible side in the mid-noughties with Didier Drogba, the Torres and co, but failing to get out of the group in 2006 and 2010. Today I'm more interested in culture off the field that impacts the results on the field, the infrastructures and philosophies that are developed with long-term goals. At club level we're going to begin with the most significant in the modern era and arguably of all time. 20 plus years at the helm at Manchester United, to Alex Ferguson. I've read both of Ferguson's books, his biography and leadership, Game Changers, provide insight and compelling reading into the mind of one of football's philosophers. So Alex Ferguson, now retired, is a coaching ambassador at UEFA, a global ambassador at Manchester United and a fellow to the executive education programme at Harvard Business School, passing on his knowledge and wisdom to the next generation. At United, Ferguson and we family values and set high standards and held everyone to them. Ferguson speaks passionately about wanting to instill values in his players. More than wanting to give them technical skills, he wanted to inspire them to strive to do better and never to give up. In his words, to make them winners. Famously at Aberdeen, he beat Real Madrid in the 83 Cup Winners' Cup Final. He moved to United in 86 and famously said his goal was to knock Liverpool off their perch, at which he achieved in his time at Manchester United, winning 13 league titles. In Europe, he always had a huge admiration for Real Madrid and their history, their brand or model behaviour let's call it, with aspirations of replicating their success on the continent. And that he did, reaching four European Cup finals, Champions of Europe in 99 and in 2008. But all this was built on the fabric of the club, the history of the Busby Babe, setting high standards and stealing values across the club which are carried and birthed a generation of United players, staff and fans worldwide. I read a quote from Van der Sar and heard this from Rio Ferdinand on the podcast with Stephen. Paraphrasing, Manchester United is a huge club, a global brand, 
so you can be excused for not knowing everyone's name. But Ferguson knew the tea ladies by first name. They knew each other on a personal level, as do the players and all the staff. Family values. Manchester United isn't just the first team. The class of 92. The class of 92, which is etched in United's history, with the likes of Scholes, Beckham, Giggs and the Neville brothers, coming through the youth system into the first team, provides identity for the club. And importantly, the fans, something that is becoming more evident in recent time with the retirement of Ferguson, with a new generation of United stars coming through the doors of Carrington. Marcus Rashford, Paul Pogba, Jesse Lingard, Scott McTominay, Pereira, Brandon Williams, Twin Zebe, Chung and Mason Greenwood, the very fabric of the club. United were exciting to watch, but had a work ethic, a versatility, they were hard-working, and had an enviable, never-die attitude that was relatable to the working men and women in Manchester. Quality with results is pointless, and results without quality is boring. Playing football is simple, but playing simple football is the hardest thing there is. Johan Cruyff Back where we left off last week with our podcast, we revisit Dutch football, a culture that has developed many talents, some of them are diaspora. Most recently with Brian Bobby, but notably with Garnet and Memphis Depay, and another Manchester United man, Fossu Mensah. Dutch football, just like Italian football, is like a sweet science, with Dutch football being like a puzzle, where young players learn to value the ethos early on that space is important in football. A style accompanied by flaring excitement aimed at making the pitch as large as possible, spreading play to the wings and seeing every run and movement as a way to increase and exploit the available space. Ajax in 2019 almost recreated that incredible feat in 95 when Ajax were champions of Europe with that incredible side. The famous Ajax Academy and Dutch football have developed some of the world's greatest talents and philosophy in total football. Players are the likes of Edwin van der Sar, Frank Rijkaard, Ronald Koeman, Nieskins, Dennis Bergkamp, Clarence Seidoff, Ruud Hullet, Van Basten and the great man Johan Cruyff. We covered Dutch and Spanish football in our previous episode in preview to this, but I would like to list a few different cultures in Italian and French where they have Clairefontaine and Catanaccio, but cover two more and where it leaves Ghanaian football. Firstly with English football. English football, the home of football, the home of Wembley Stadium and Giants of the Game, Manchester United, Liverpool, Arsenal, Chelsea and Manchester City, the list goes on. English football is currently undergoing a renaissance, with clubs not only making a mark on European football, but with a host of talent coming through on the international stage. Euro 2020, or 21, and Qatar 22 will be a test, but exciting times for the English game. What we see now all began after a poor showing at Euro 2000, when England failed to get out of the group, with condemnation and a review to restructure of the system. This took time, but comparison over years came with France and Clairefontaine, following their European Championship and World Cup success. The same followed with Spain, with the success of their club football and European Championship and World Cup success too. And then Germany, who had a poor European Championship in 2000, but became world champions in 2014 in Brazil. Fast forward from 2000, English talent is sought after across Europe for major clubs, for the talent that British clubs can't keep a hold of because of the depth produced and the talent in the first team. Long are the days of direct football, the FA and clubs alike in the UK have a different model to accompany the athletic and dynamism of the game in the UK. With the success of models in Europe, with Clairefontaine, we saw St George's Park, and with the success of Spain's Tiki Taka, we saw academies up and down the country develop curriculums for the modern game, with players able to dribble like Neymar and pass like Xavi. 4-4-2, not necessarily out the window, but in came through systems like 4-3-3, 3-4-3 and 3-5-2, to add another dimension along with athletic, dynamic movement and pace of the game. Clubs in the FA develop with talent, the models for talent identification, the programmes, the camps, pyramid systems for progression and competition, the coaches which allow Southgate to be promoted and oversee a successful period of fresh talent. Following the previous generation of Rio, Gerard, Lampard, Rooney, Bex and Co, the Under-17 World Cup in India produced the class of 2021 with Hudson-Odoi, Rashford, Trent, Sancho, Phil Foden and Mason Mount. The list is endless. 2. The US 
The US are number one in the world when it comes to producing athletes and methods they adopt to enhance performance. With growth of the game, particularly of the women's, it's of no surprise the US are emerging as one of the ones to watch for producing talent. With a host of players playing in the Women's Soccer League and a number of players playing at big clubs in Europe, it demonstrates they've broken the mould, the stigma around US soccer and their ability to compete in the men's game. The US women's national team are number one in the world, but long are the days of the US men's national team were just Claudia Reyna, Brad Friedel or Clint Dempsey being household names for clubs like Fulham. Now a core group of the national team represent clubs like FC Barcelona, Juventus, Valencia and Dortmund. Simplifying it, the US system is two-tiered in relation to college and professional, where after a successful college career you are drafted into the professional game. Being at the forefront of sports entertainment, the infrastructure has never been an issue for the US. I guess funding for a sport that is competing with athletics, American football, basketball and baseball was always going to be the issue. But that trend has changed and participation is on the up, as with the investment and professionalism, the quality of coaches and in so producing results. Having not qualified for Russia in 2018, the US men's national team are on course to make a major impact in Qatar 2022. Having gone through culture and philosophies, emerging ones and listening to several others, with the events of the European Super League, the questions that were posed as to sustainability, where does it leave Ghanaian or African football? Geographically, and the ESL in its format has nothing to do with Africa, but if European football is the benchmark and quality and sustainability have been questioned, our models in line with recent success and question marks need to be looked at as to restructuring funding in grassroots and down the pyramid in football. Retracing our history, just as we do in culture, it's been many years since our last AFCON win, and two of the last World Cups have seen us not qualify and fail to get out of the group, and we're players of a generation coming from yesteryear. The success of Talent ID in Africa has seen success, with each region testifying as to who produces the best talent. Yes, the youth team have had success in recent time, our victory marking 12 years since our last success in competition. But of one of Africa's biggest nations, Ghana's identity fast, Trophies are great, but success in eras are measured in consistency. And sorry, no, the talent ID hasn't as of yet translated into success for many African countries. Culture is characterised by key elements, the fabric of the art and the ethos. Culture defines you, it measures the quality of life. Culture provides important social and economic benefits, improved learning and in health, and opportunities to come together as a community. Through culture, we develop a sense of belonging. There's intrinsic value in culture. Culture is everything to Ghana. It's in our language, our food and in our history. Culture bears fruit. Is it in our game? I don't know, but we need it in our game. That's it for this week's episode. We'll be posting as usual via social media, keeping up with the stories as they unfold in the coming weeks. As always, if you've got any questions or queries, email us at teamgarneu at gmail.com or tweet or DM us at teamgarneu on IG or Twitter. Thank you, take care, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm.